0: Oh my gosh, I, I didn't even see you there, wow. So if you're listening to this right now, and you're you and I'm me, then this must be the Hacker Noon Podcast. And I must be Amy Tom. And today we are going to talk a bit about becoming digital and getting into digital transformation and digital strategy. And on the podcast today, I am welcoming the CEO and commissioner of the American Ultimate Disc League, who is Steve Hall. So Steve, thank you so much for joining and welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, Amy. Looking forward to it.
0: Great. So first off, can we start by telling us a bit about your role and how long you've been doing that for?
1: Sure, great question. I've actually been playing Ultimate since the mid 80s, 1985, which makes me Mm. a really old guy. I started playing in university. I have loved it ever since and got involved with the AUDL back in 2015 when I actually had heard about them expanding into the Southeast US and purchased the Charlotte franchise back in the day. But that's led me to my current role. I was on the board for a while and then jumped into the CEO and commissioner role in 2018. So I've been very excited to get involved with the league in a much deeper and bigger way and take it to the heights that we've achieved so far.
0: Wow. Okay. So have you yourself played professionally? No. Okay.
1: <laughs> I, 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 I would dream about playing professionally. The best I can say is I'll be playing at the great Grand Masters, which is for 50 years and older players in, in uh, July in Colorado. So that may be the penultimate spot I'll be able to have on the field.
0: Okay, interesting. So I will let you know, too, that I have not really played Ultimate that much. And also, I'm a little bit nervous because I'm not huge into sports. And so I'm afraid I'm going to be like, um, what's a draft or something like that. And then everyone's going to be like, uh, you don't know anything. <laughs> so I have not played Ultimate too much. I bet I've played a bit in the past, but I am... I have zero hand-eye coordination like whatsoever i trip on my own feet i cannot play sports so that i have bowed out of that but when did so when did you get into it as a career
1: yeah well, it's probably back in 2014 i was looking at the league and this my background is really i'm a finance guy so i was up on wall street for 13 years with goldman sachs on the fixed income desk and then got into the private equity space with Citigroup in the early 2000s. And that's where I I really got involved with helping small businesses to grow. And when I'm currently based in Charlotte, and that's that time in my career met my passion for Ultimate. And 2014 is when I got into it really in a big way, being the owner of a team. And then it really led to me saying, hey, I think I could do bigger and better things. I had a grand vision of where this sport could go and working with rob lloyd who's uh, kind of a financier behind the league helped really take it to its its uh, current form in 2012. And we said hey let's get together let's draft a vision where can we take this and really got even deeper into it in 2018 when i became uh, the ceo and commissioner
0: mm, okay and i want to talk to you about digital strategy but first i want to mm-hmm. ask you as the CEO, how did you get into a more strategic mindset? Or how did you learn how to create a digital strategy?
1: That's a great question. I, I think I've always been someone, you know, my wife and I talk about our differences, our similarities. I'm, I'm a strategic guy. I'm a top down guy. That's who I am just genetically. And so that's always, I think, been a great mindset in looking at any business. And again, I've always thought about and and executed on building businesses, even at the larger firms I've been with. And that's helped me know kind of the path, but I think in today's world, especially in sports that there's in the old traditional way of, we just have a great sport on the field or in the arena and the fans will just show up because they like the game, but it's changed. We're in the entertainment business, right? Where, and I have to remind our owners and our players, we're in the entertainment business. And so how do you entertain people? It's not just watching a game play out, it's all digital. It's as I tell all of our people, when you're watching a game, you you spend half your time, even though if you're there in person, looking down at your phone. You could be taking selfies. Oh, look at these cool place I'm at, making sports bets, checking out stats about the games, checking out your fantasy team. So to me, sports is digital. Now it is a, I think of us Mm -hmm. as a technology company in the sports entertainment sector. I really do talk about as technology wise. And to me, technology now is, is all digital
0: yeah so how did covid affect the business and the move into a more online focus
1: it's a very good question it's it's really impacted us in two ways number one we've always talked about how players health and safety is important but covid took it to the next level and you realize hey we could do even more so <clears throat> we instituted what we call the athletic care network every team has a team position an athletic trainer and a health and safety manager. And so that's making sure that our players have help in the preseason, making sure that they're in good shape, they have care if something happens during uh, happens during the season. But we realized that the doctors aren't there every day. And back to how do you make a business efficient? It's all digital, right? And so we end up creating a lot of forms, uh, a lot of, you know, telehealth and so that was a way to make it cost efficient for our business. That's still, you know, in its growth stage. So, again, even on the medical side, it's a digital solution to a medical you know, problem.
0: Oh, I didn't even think about it like that. I was really thinking about it from a, a watcher or a consumer perspective of having to not be able to take part in the sport that I love and going into the games and watching so I would just I was thinking that would your mindset would be more around pivoting in terms of broadcasting or like online strategy I didn't even think about like the medical implications of moving that thing that kind of information and and process online as well that's really interesting
1: yeah, and we definitely were planning on doing our entertainment remotely, meaning no fans in the stands. Now in the states, at least since COVID, we're definitely on the downside. Our stands are pretty open. We had we've had great attendance in the first weekend that we just uh, finished here, and so it's been terrific. But yeah, we, we've had we had to think a lot more broadly about how we deliver our product to people.
0: Mm-hmm. And was a major revenue source for your company partially that it partially come from ticket sales of seeing these events live
1: and so, yeah historically ticket sales gate revenue has always been a big driver for teams in today's world you look at any pro sports and it's really the ad revenue that's the biggest and that's so digitally and you've got two ways to to earn money from the eyeballs people watching your sport it's either through the linear broadcast or a uh, live stream we have our own live stream platform called AUDL.TV. And that is that is becoming a bigger and bigger part, not just for people who, you know, who can't make the game. We talk about your home fans, the people you want, hopefully, to come and show up in person. Because if you're a player, you love that energy. You love people screaming and hollering. And that's right. just great. You raise your game. But we want those same home fans to be fans during the away games. How do they watch it? it could be the linear broadcast. It's also great when you can watch a, a customized live stream. And so that's become a big part. Again, say we're a technology company, a big part of what we're doing now is building and um, I'll call it accessorizing that live stream platform.
0: Mm-hmm. So can you tell me a bit about who your target audience actually is then and where they might live online?
1: Uh, it's a great question too, in terms of historically that most ultimate people pick it up in college and say, oh, it's probably you know 20 year olds, maybe 30 year olds. But well, we've actually changed. And although the 21 to 28-year-olds are important, we think of it as really 14-year-olds to 28-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And you have a lot more people picking up this sport in high school and carrying it through as an adult, which is terrific. And we also call it male. kind of 14 to 28-year-old males are probably 60, 70 percent of our audience, but also the moms who are organizing the weekends and and they're big consumers. They love it. It's also a fun night out for them to go have an adult beverage and let the kids run wild or just oversee what's going on. But when you think of that audience and how, again, they are very much engaged on their phones is half the times they are looking up, seeing the play on the pitch. The other half the time they're looking down at their phone. So that's made us really step back and say, how do we deliver this experience? Because it it's experiential. And so what do we do? So there's a lot more, I will call it electronic engagement. Every game is a party. What makes a great party? It's something, some action, some music, some really good food and some good beverages, right? That's like the baseline for a party. But now you have this other technical side where we want to gamify everything. So you want to have those stats coming in on your phone. You want to have the announcers calling out cool things. You want prizes. You want betting, you whether know, they're free-to-play pools or other kinds of, of opportunities for, for people over 21. That's just, that's what, you know, sports is all about. It is about that digital experience. And that's what we've really embraced in a big way this past year.
0: Yeah. And where do you connect with your target audience online in terms of like social channels. That has
1: changed massively since last yeah. year. Because we didn't play in 2020, we really, the only way we could double our product was digitally. So we remastered some old championship games and that was great. What else do you do? And traditionally we would hit people on Facebook, And then Instagram, well that quickly shifted. A lot of Twitter pumping out video highlights, stats, what's going on, and then TikTok. And we said, well, let's play with TikTok a little bit. But as we thought, again, if our audience is 14 to 28, guess where they live on TikTok. Mm -hmm. So we Mm -hmm. start putting out a few videos, putting some cool music to them. Bang, we got a few viral videos. We're like, wow, this is what we have to do more of. And not just us as a league level, gathering some video highlights from games, uh, we've encouraged the players, hey, you know, start putting out some fun, fun TikToks. And you know, whether it's little things, preseason warm-ups, doing something for our sponsors, putting on cool socks, showing how great they move in the socks, any little thing, it makes the game fun. It makes us as a league and people more accessible. And it has that personal connection. And it shows we can have a fun side to us as well.
0: Yep. That's where I was thinking of going with that in my mind because when you, immediately when you say eight, 14 to 28 year olds, I'm like, oh, I feel like they gotta be on TikTok. And yeah. that's the thing, like, I don't know, Steve, I am turning 25 this year. I am on the cusp of the millennial drop-off into Gen mm-hmm. Z. And I don't get it. <laughs> I just don't get it. I just don't understand the content. Are you a TikTok user yourself?
1: So I, I have not put out my own TikTok video and I'm not sure that my family would let me do that. But <laughs> but I do. I listen, I enjoy TikTok. I love whether it's some silly fishing video, seeing like the the crazy big shark while people are fishing, to somebody doing something completely silly, to some fun kind of music stuff. And of course I always have to watch our ultimate highlights on TikTok. Mm-hmm. So I enjoy it. It's entertainment to me. I think it's fun. So I think it's a great medium and it's got to be used in the right way. Twitter yeah. also. Twitter has its place. Instagram has its place. And we do think of the content that we want to put out on each of those channels differently. Do we want to have a little snapshot? Do we want to tell a story? Do we want to do something that's funny? And, and we purposefully and strategically think about our content that way based on the channel.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, I want to pivot to a new subject going along this digital trend, though, Mm -hmm. and it is something that you did recently following it in close suit to the NBA. And that Mm -hmm. would be the NBA Top Shot with your release of your NFT collection. So can you tell me about how that came to be?
1: Sure. Talk about a space that has just run wild in the last three to six months. Uh And we talked about if you look at we've been around really since 2012, so we have Almost 10 years worth of video highlights. And you think, oh gosh, you know, it's great. We'll get a five to 15 second clip. We'll put it on Twitter. You know, we'll do some fun things on Instagram, maybe again on TikTok. But when we saw NBA Top Shot come out, we're like, wow. Number one, it's really cool. I grew up, obviously, with the, the cardboard still images as a collectible. And those are great. And we all talked about. You know, we could talk about that player and the, the special moments we had watching that player. And you kind of go from, right, a picture's worth a thousand words. If a picture's worth a thousand words, what's a video worth? 10,000 words? And, mm-hmm. and so we said, hey, we've got this incredible gold mine: video highlights, layouts, Ds, goals. How do we help brand our players? How do we help get the word out about our sport and our league? And so we love the concept of NFTs. And so we said, hey, we're not we think it makes a lot more sense to put out videos versus still shots. So that was like the first decision we had to make. NBA Top Shot, they're great. They, I think that's the perfect platform. They made it very easy to onboard. You can use a credit card. They have their own cryptocurrency and flow, and they have all kinds of great highlights and obviously a huge audience. So you already have a marketplace. So that was brilliant. We're not there yet in terms of capital organization. So we had, we said, all right, we know the content we want to use. We can put some really cool packaging around it. We've got some great players, but we have to use an established marketplace. So you've got place, uh, your bowls is one. OpenSea is the one we decided on for this first collection. Yeah. Um, it was pretty easy. I think there's still some improvements to be made to make it easier to onboard. Uh, cryptocurrency is still a little bit tough if that's not something you've done. I think it's still a work in progress. But we said, hey, not only are we just going to drop some video highlights, but we're going to create our own brand. So we called it AUDL Moments, M-O-M-I-N-T-Z. So it makes it a little bit cool, edgy. It's got some nice packaging. And uh, we just, we've dropped, I think we've gotten about 65 of our first 500 collection dropped already. And we're just now leaking it out to the public. So we've had the owners, the players buy the first ones. We've got 25 Moments that we've uh, collected. And we've got, there's uh, 20 serialized versions of each 25. So pretty big collection. So we're gonna be letting those out. We may have a couple few cool ones we're gonna release um, along the way this year, but it's a great business, number one. I think mm-hmm. the NBA's done over 500 million U.S. Uh, since inception, if I have my numbers. And so we see this as a great business, but also a really neat way to increase the brands of our players and just, hey, here's who we are and here's some really cool highlights.
0: Yeah. I want to talk to you about the operations that went behind that. How many people worked on this?
1: Yeah, so we actually have a pretty small crew. It's only about three or four people. I believe, Yeah, it's, it's amazing. We already have the video highlights in a library, so it's a matter of just pulling them down. It takes 10 to 20 minutes to mint, if you will, each NFT. You have to go through uh, a certain protocol, a certain process. You have to get it right because once you hit mint, if you will. Mm-hmm. You can't take it back. Little things, the spelling, making sure that the packaging is right. So it takes some time. You want to make sure it's good. We have a small crew and they work their tails off every time we, we drop, uh, drop some of the NFTs.
0: Yeah. I'm just curious about the project and the man hours behind it, because it seems far more complicated than what you just described. There was a
1: lot of work, believe me, a lot of work done yeah. by Tim DeBile and his team in the, in the offseason. So when we saw NBA Top Shot just taking off, we said, hey, we've got we've to move. We've got to move quick. So they spent uh, a lot of hours thinking through the process, finding the right platform. And this is our first step. This is, I call it the short-term strategy, long-term strategy. We would love to do something like NBA has done with Top Shot and have our own space, make it a lot easier to onboard, et cetera. But that's going to take some time and some more capital. That's our yeah. vision
0: exciting to see where that goes though i agree and the nft space is just taken off like crazy and i feel like you could make a lot of money over there
1: (laughs) (laughs) we certainly hope we certainly hope
0: so what goes through your mind then when i say building a long-term digital strategy long-term
1: Wow. That covers literally our entire business. This is this could be the two hour conversation. It's I'm sincere when I say that because as I mentioned, we're entertainment and entertainment is digital now. And not only when we reach out to these 14 to 28 year olds, it's not earned media, meaning doing the, the old-fashioned radio or television interview like we're doing now, it's a podcast, right? It's advertising on Facebook or Instagram. So even getting people to show up to the game is digital. When you arrive digital tickets. Everything is contactless. Now you want to order food. Many of our teams, you order food uh, through an app and then you can either pick it up or have it delivered to you. The entertainment, the stats, it's not, we have stats on a big board, but we're also pumping stats to your phone. And then again, on the backside, how do we do the highlights? We pump them out via social media channels. We remind you, we do surveys. So Every part of our business is digital. And, and even we're talking about medical side, we thought medically how we you know, gather data from our players. What you probably didn't get to see if you were watching our Saturday game of the week is we actually have a deal now, a, a relationship with Stat Sports based in Ireland. Our players, 10 of them you know, on each side were wearing vests that had pods in them in between their shoulder blades. And so as they were running around, we were collecting speed data, GPS based information. So you could see where each of these 10 players were running while they were on the pitch. So we've got a treasure trove of data, and it is all about data right now Right, all businesses data. And we're gathering all this data that we're going to turn into fan engagement, fan experience, and then also for training. How far did they run if they had a heart monitor? That's a lot of good medical information. How well do they perform? So then our athletic care network has information on these players. So literally digital is at every part of our business.
0: Okay. Wow. Okay. Let's pick this apart. I think that digital strategy, digital transformation is becoming Mm -hmm. this like beautiful buzzword that marketers love to throw around. To me, when I hear digital strategy, I think more of marketing. I think that comes naturally to me because I have a marketing Mm -hmm. background. So I think social media, I think your marketing strategy in terms of like how you're going to reach your audience and um, how you're going to get them into the door via your digital strategy. So it's really interesting for me to hear you speak about the operational digital side of things and the digital experience that your customers have. So I think that's cool that you can have the online tickets and the uh, ordering food online. It's like this whole experience so that when your fans are coming to watch the players play, it's not just posting a photo on social media, it's this whole experience that they have.
1: Yeah. And we haven't even touched on virtual reality. Mm -hmm. This is getting to the point where you're, I think the NBA has done a great job. I'm a huge fan of Mark Cuban and what he does, but at some point you are going to be able to feel like you're in the front row of a a basketball game. And that's really cool. Again, how do you deliver that experience to people in, in ways where you can't be there to shout in person? How can you have a digital strategy to make people feel like they've been transported to your game and they're part of the action. So it it does, it blows your mind and, but it's exciting. And I think with more people, more money, sports and a lot of the businesses are only going one way and that's digital. If you don't embrace it now, if you don't understand and appreciate it, you're going to get left behind.
0: Yep. I agree. Cool. So how do you think that you're going to continue to grow your digital reach in the future? What are your upcoming plans?
1: Higher. And we have got to add more people. Yeah. If you look at the, if you looked at our budget, it is focused on fan acquisition. It's focused on media. It's focused on technology. We are looking for more people for our marketing and media team, but you pretty much have to have some digital experience to work on these teams now. I mentioned the data. We actually created a company called UltiX Technology, and that is where actually all of our data and our technical execution is happening. It's really cool. We're gonna have to hire more people there. So again, we've got all of this, I'll call it content, both the video content of the games we talked about that feeds our social media channels, it feeds our NFTs, but you've got all this sort of just data on the games and that feeds all kind of the cool statistics that the announcers use. So when you're listening to someone and they talk about it as a 32% chance of making this play happen, the announcers didn't pull that out of thin air, right? They have some statisticians who are crunching the numbers. They have huge servers that are cranking out data and it's flashing to them on a screen. And so they have all these cool things that they can talk about. And then from there, you can bring it um, to life where you have the the videos and overlaid on the videos are the really cool statistics, the props to NFL. They had some great commercials in the off season talking about a 14% chance that a player was going to catch a pass in the end zone. That's entertainment. That's really cool to see those numbers. That's data. That's digital. It's that's going to be part of what we're going to do in terms of our digital reach, because as there's lots of things we can do with our Saturday evenings. You can go out to dinner, you can go to a movie, you can play Fortnite all night long. You could go see a sporting event. How do I convince you to take two or three hours out of your Saturday evening and come to our sporting event versus going to a movie or playing Fortnite or doing something cool like that, especially if you're 18 years old. I've got to differentiate. I've got to have a really cool digital strategy and have reach to get you excited about what we have to offer.
0: Okay, a few questions off of that. Sure. The first one, how many people are part of your team today?
1: Ten full-time employees right now. So very small.
0: Small. Okay, cool. Uh, And wow. So you've been in business though since 2012, did you say? Correct. Okay. So it hasn't been that small the entire time
1: it's it's actually been fewer people now that's at the league level you mm. know to, to be open e- each team also has their staff and they help out for sure but right. in order for us to grow that 10 needs to be 20 so that's why i said we are hiring now reaching out for people and we we think we can go 10 to to 20 times our size very easily with just another 10 to 20 people at the league level
0: mhm yeah and there's 22 teams across north america so Correct. Each Correct. of the teams also has people that help them with smaller things, and but the okay, the overall strategy of the league comes from AUDL.
1: Correct. Yeah. So we we at we have at the league level, we have about ten people. We have twenty two teams that are individually owned, and they all have typically five to six people on staff there. And we can see the the league growing to twenty eight teams over the next few years, and mm-hmm. and so we still see some more expansion coming.
0: Okay. And then my second question off of your little segment there was yeah. that I wanted to ask you about, Take I'm taking a little a bit of a left turn here to, I want to ask you about what it means to be a CEO, because you mentioned a lot of stuff uh, just now, and I followed, I tracked with it all, but in my mind, I was thinking, how do you keep track of all of that? It's a lot. So can you walk me through kind of some of a CEO mindset around keeping track of everything and keeping up with all of the digital trends that are happening in the industry?
1: Sure, Uh, good question. And so you have to have a good team, right? You, You can't be the sole person who's executing. So you have to have a great team. And I think this is the the Goldman Sachs coming out at me. We talked about great assets coming up and down the elevators. So you you have to recruit well. So as a CEO, you have to have a discipline to really put those people through their paces in interviews, get a lot of people talk to them, make sure they're the right fit culturally, make sure they're going to work hard, that they're smart. Once you've done that, then you have to trust your team. So you have to delegate. You have to be willing to let go. And that's tough for a lot of people. Um, especially those who have a controlling mindset. Once you have good people, trust in them, let them go. But you you also have to, when you do that, everyone needs to know where to go, right? So you have to be very clear on the vision. And when you set that vision, and we're here now and we're going to go to the top of this mountain. And then you have to get everyone motivated to get to that top of that mountain. Everybody's different, right? So you need to know what is it, money? Do they want to ego stroke? Do they want to have their name in lights? Do they want a new fancy title? Everyone's motivated by different things. And I think the successful CEOs know what motivates each of their people on their team, points them in the right direction, gets them all excited, and then lets them go and trust them, knowing that you're going to make mistakes. You have to be willing to take those mistakes. You have to be willing to take risks. And have some failures along the way, because if you don't fail, then you're not learning and you're not pushing yourself hard enough and then check in and get feedback. And then once you get to that top of that mountain, let's find another mountain to climb.
0: Yeah, great points. Okay, so building off of that, then if you were to advise a CEO who was building a company and maybe getting into digital transformation or just starting to build out a digital strategy, what Mm -hmm. advice would you have for them?
1: Yeah, I, you have to be honest with yourself. I'll be turning 55 this year. So that means I am on the wrong side of experience when it comes to digitization and know what you know, what you don't know. And I think Rob Lloyd and I have been smart that way. So we've got Tim DeBile and his team. They know a lot, but we know that we need to, as we hire, keep bringing in people with that experience. And so be smart again about who you bring in, what they know, and then this world is changing fast. This is technology is what keeps North America, I think, at the the top of the food chain. Keep investing in technology and make sure that you've got, as a CEO, make sure you've got a budget that allocates technology and digitization of your business. And then when you look for feedback, I'm 55, I don't go around asking a bunch of 50 year olds for feedback. Hey, how is this (laughs) digital strategy? It's I always say, ask your kids, ask your grandkids, ask your target audience, ask those 14, 28 year olds. How are things going? How well are we doing? Because I think CEOs will often get stuck in a bad rut. They ask their friends, hey, how do you think we're doing? Hey, you're doing great. Those aren't the people that are your clients. They're not the right ones for feedback. Make sure you're asking the right people for feedback and you're gonna get some tough love some days. You can't take it personally. Understand it. Again, shift the vision, shift the path to get to that top of that mountain and then execute.
0: So I think that's also a great point to talk about diversity of hiring as well to get that extra bit of knowledge because yeah mm-hmm. if you're only hiring people who are in their also in their 50s and have this similar experiences to you you won't be able to hire you won't be able to get that knowledge that you need of what young people what kind of tech young people are using and what's the next big thing and or, mm-hmm. or it might be harder for you to get there so i think that is a really good use case and a point of building diversity within your, your team as well
1: yeah, we've, so on the media marketing side, absolutely, we're going younger in the 20s. And even though this is a male dominated sport in terms of AUDL, Ultimate's played by both, by all genders, which is great. I think it's one of the special parts of our sport. But yeah, it's interesting, Christina Chung is our chief medical officer and the athletic care network of the team physicians. We have 35% are women. We just actually, in today's leadership meeting, did the calculation 15% of our officials are females. So it's been great. I think, and we've got a number of owners, we've got coaches. So I think that's one of the things that we have done smartly, even though our league is all male on the player side, officials, owners, team physicians, other people who are key parts of our management staff are women. I think it's great for us to have views from different perspectives from that side. As I mentioned, moms are an important client. Women are also part of our client base and you know, just part of our overall ecosystem. So We also want to make sure that we have women on uh, our leadership as well.
0: That's great. And I think that with young women growing up today in society, there might be more people who would get into sports. There's more of a push for women to join STEM and to join sports or to have varied interest in quote unquote male things. So Mm -hmm. I think hopefully as the, new generations grow, more and more women will be more interested in getting into careers in sports.
1: Yeah. I think it's going to be great and that there is a, the Western ultimate league is a professional women's ultimate and they're, they just started up a couple of years ago. So I think it's great. The women have a national stage as players, but it's also a great chance for women, as you said, to get involved in business and get involved in technology and leadership, which is uh, incredible.
0: Yeah, definitely. All right, Steve, thank you very much for joining the podcast. I had a great time chatting with you about digital strategy. Where can we find you and AUDL online?
1: Amy, thanks so much again for your time today. Really enjoyed talking about it. And uh, theaudl.com is our website. Twitter handles theaudl. And I think if you typed in theaudl on almost any social media channel, that's where you're gonna find us. And hopefully people learn about us on our, our live stream platform. And you can catch our games, Game of the Weeks so on Fox Sports 2 which is terrific. And yeah, we hope we get uh, more fans of Ultimate, but I really appreciate your time today, Amy.
0: Great, thank you very much, Steve. If you like this episode of the Hacker Noon Podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share it with your friends. And I also wanna mention that we have hired a new podcast editor. So welcome Audio Wizard to the podcast. Alex has edited this podcast today. So thank you very much, Alex. And this podcast was produced by Hacker Noon and hosted by me. Stay weird and I will see you on the internet. Goodbye.